So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lindsay, and along with my husband Blair, we are on the leadership team here at Falkirk Vineyard. This morning, I have been asked to talk to you about our compassion ministry, Love Falkirk. I know that since COVID, we've actually had some people who've uh, been watching from home, we've had some people who are new to the church, and actually during this time has been the most dramatic change in our compassion ministry. This is when it has all changed, it's flipped totally, so we wanted to spend the morning just really digging into how our Love Falkirk started, where it's been for the kind of past two years, and basically where it's going. Um, before we do that, I wanted to explore a little bit about compassion. I wanted to look at what it means and how Jesus showed us that it looked like. So for those of you who do know Jesus, and for those of you who have yet to experience him, I can tell you there is no one more loving, no one more giving, no one more affectionate, no one more sacrificial, no one more committed, no one more surprising, and no one more compassionate than our God. When Jesus walked this earth, he demonstrated kindness, love, and compassion to absolutely everyone he came across, without exception. In fact, the word compassion is used in the New Testament 96 times to describe the character or the feeling of Jesus. So I'm guessing that this attribute of Jesus is super important and that he really wanted us to take notice of it. So if I asked you this morning what compassion is, what it looked like, I suspect most of you would say feeling sorry for someone, really feeling for them, feeling for where they're at, seeing people where they're at and really feeling for them and feeling sorry for them. But compassion is the deep feeling of sympathy that drives you into action. So it's not just the feeling, it's the deep feeling of sympathy that then drives you into action, into doing something. There are so many stories that I could read from the Bible. And as I said, I'm a bit short in time this morning. So you can read, the, read your Bible. That's all I'll say. You can read your Bible. Do that. Okay, you'll find it everywhere. But the two that I'm going to look at, because I mean, uh, the feeding of the 4,000, 5,000, the Good Samaritan, adulterous woman, the woman by the well, so many more. But I'm going to focus on two very short passages this morning before we dive into what our compassion ministry is. So I'm looking at Mark 1, verses 40 to 42. And at this point, Jesus has just come down from teaching on the mountain for a long time. The large crowds are actually following him. And this is where Mark picks up. Uh, so we start at verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then we're gonna to jump to Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he was moved. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, in both of these things, very different, but in both cases, Jesus was moved with compassion in healing and in mercy. He was always driven into action, though. Doesn't matter what story we read in the Bible, when he had compassion, he was driven into action. When I sat to prepare for this, I prayed specifically about what God wanted to share with me, to share with you, um, and I actually felt him ask me a question back, which I wasn't keen on, but okay. Uh, so, one, do we always see the people in need? Are we looking for them? And number two, when we do see them, do we act? Didn't love the questions, but 
you know. I'm not one to argue with God all of the time. So I started researching, searching a little bit of looking into the Bible, praying about what God wanted to say. And in my research, I find this really interesting story about in the US a few years ago, they did a study on 40 university students who were asked to take part in this study and they all said yes. They were under the impression that the study was about looking at where their career was starting and where they were going to end up in their career. They were going to have interviewed now, they were going to be interviewed in a few years time. So they were asked one by one to head across the campus and to get an interview about where they're starting. Some of them were asked to be interviewed on their dissertation, which was the Good Samaritan. Now, of course, they actually had something else planned. As they were heading across the campus one by one for their interview, they had actually paid an actor who groaned and fell to the ground. And in this scenario, over half the people, the students who were studying ministry, some of them were doing their dissertation on the Good Samaritan, either stepped over around or ignored the actor in order to get to the interview on time. Now, I know that you're thinking that is not great. How could they do that? I would always stop. I would never do that. But the point of the story is, is that if our lives are busy, when we are focused on something for me, when we're focused on something for us, sometimes our priorities and our wants can get in the way of seeing people. And if we do see them, sometimes it gets in the way of us acting on it. Sometimes the things that we want and sometimes the things that we need and our priorities get in the way of maybe what Jesus is asking us to do. Now, in that line, our stuff can get in the way of compassion. It sounds very harsh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but that's the reality. And I think just from that you can see it. It may not be as obvious as falling at someone's feet, someone falling at my feet. I'm not going to walk over Andrew McNinch if he groans and falls to the ground. It's not as obvious as that sometimes. But people can be hurting. And our family and friends can be lonely and desperate or hungry. And we need to look at others. We need to see them and we need to act on our compassion, not just see that people are hungry or hurting or lonely. And dare I say, let me be even bolder this morning to say, we could even sometimes be irritated by the fact that people need us. That can sometimes happen because it's getting in the way of our stuff. Sometimes we walk past and we think someone else will do it. I know that I've done it. So a few weeks ago, I started a new job. And I've got a five-day intensive course of how to work with children who are in emotional crisis and how that affects behavior. When their emotions are out of control, they don't know how they feel, but what they do know, all of their behavior, everything that's happening is because they need something. And that got me thinking about my little determined firecracker of a son, Jonah. Now, I do love that kid, but let me tell you, when he hurts himself, if he falls, if he, he is just so difficult to deal with. He wants a cuddle, but you're not allowed to look at it. You're not allowed to see it. You're not allowed to help him. You're not allowed to put plaster. He wants a plaster on it, but you're not allowed to see it. It's absolutely impossible. And he gets really cross and irritated when you're actually trying to help him because he wants it fixed, but he doesn't want you to see it. And I have to say, sometimes, I just don't have time for a three-hour cuddle before I get to put a plaster on the smallest scratch in history. I just don't have time for it. And then sometimes I find myself thinking, I just don't have time for this nonsense right now. And do you know, that kind of made, <laughs> it kind of made me think, I don't have time for my own son. I don't have time for his injury. I don't have time for what you need right now because I have little compa compassion for him in that moment. And I see his need. 
I just don't have time for it. And often this is situations that we're asked to help with. Sometimes it's not as quick as calling a doctor. Sometimes it's not as quick as giving you a bag of food and saying, there you go, you're welcome. Sometimes it's a longer. Sometimes the compassion is something that we really need to commit to. The word for compassion that's used in Matthew 9 and some of the other passages when referring to how Jesus felt and acted is a Greek word meaning inner hearts or guts. And if you remember, to last week, Nikki was speaking. She's in the kids' party. Nikki was speaking last week, and she was talking about how we can kind of feel everything, like in our stomach, and how our stomach's the number one kind of thing for, that reacts to feelings. And this feeling of compassion, Jesus felt it in his inner parts. He felt it in his guts. He felt it deep inside. You know that feeling, don't you? When something that we feel deep down, Jesus just couldn't walk past because it was in him. He could feel it. He just couldn't walk past. He saw it, and if he saw it, he acted. And I believe this morning that God is asking us to see and to act to those in need around us and to become available even if we think we aren't. You see, guys, the bottom line of compassion is when we act with compassion, people's lives are transformed and Jesus is honored. People's lives are transformed, God is honored. That's what happens when we have that real deep feeling of compassion in our guts. Now, if you look at our mission statement for this church, for Falkirk Vineyard, we want to be a church in the community, serving the community, and changing one life at a time. So if I'm saying this morning that compassion changes people's lives, then compassion's right at the heart of our church mission. Because when we act with compassion, people's lives are changed, and we're saying in our church statement, we want to change one life at a time. So compassion is right at the center of that. And that's why this morning, I wanted to talk to you about Love Falkirk or Compassion Ministry. Uh, there's gonna be some slides coming up, I hope, in a little while. James is on it. Uh, and we've got some pictures because I wanted you to really feel the story of where we've been with Love Falkirk and also just like God's blessing and hand of blessing on here. Um, and just so you can really feel like you are part of what's happened, because you are. Before the church was even planted, Lorraine uh, had developed a relationship with social work, and she had started something called Storehouse. This uh, was when social work knew of a family that needed emergency help, a food parcel, they were put into homeless accommodation, they were fleeing from domestic violence, their money ran out, so many difficult circumstances. Lorraine had ran it for a few years, the church got up and going, um, and someone, another member of the church stepped in to run Storehouse for a while. In 2016, Blair and I felt God asking us to serve in the Storehouse ministry. And after church one morning, I kind of felt God was annoying me about it, so I kind of tapped Lorraine in the shoulder, and I said, listen, God's been really talking to us about serving with Storehouse. And Lorraine's not here to confirm it this morning, but it was either that day, but it was certainly that week that the person who was running Storehouse had decided to step down. And we were just stepping in that need. And isn't God amazing? Because that's just confirmation to us that we were doing the right thing. But also, God's plan is there. God's plan and his hand is in it the whole way through. Um, so that was the start of a really big journey for us with Love Falkirk that we are still on today. Things started to happen really quickly after we stepped in to lead Love Falkirk. So this is uh, our storehouse here. We often speak about pushing a door and seeing if it opens. We were literally, Blair and I were standing in the corridor and people were running out shouting our names saying, can you do this? Within a few months, we had relationships with Camelin Social Workers, Falkirk High, Reunion Canals, Camelin Community Centre. God just seemed to be ble uh, blessing storehouse abundantly. 
This is a typical, these are photos from our social media that we were delivering uh, at that time in 2016. It was emergency food parcels full of toiletries, baby food. Um, we would sometimes pick up a fresh loaf or some fresh milk. You see, at this point, we'd actually turned our garage into a food bank. Uh, we had shelves, we had pasta, we had tinned meat, we had it all, we had no room for anything else in our garage. Uh, we were providing the emergency food parcels, which means that uh, basically you got the call that day, the family had no food, and you had to deliver it that day or that evening because it was really a relief service. Um, and then God started saying to us, there is more. And my first thought was, well, there's no more room in my garage, so I don't really know what you're thinking there, God. Uh, but then over the next few weeks, God was insistent, and we met with Andrew and Lorraine. Uh, and for years, we had wanted to start a Love Falkirk campaign. Kenny was actually right at that, years before that, and he had taken the Love Falkirk uh, kind of like hashtag and the social media to make sure that if this ever happened, that we owned it and we could take it and no one else was going to start a Love Falkirk. Um, so we'd already had the Love Falkirk campaign. We changed the name to that. Uh, we then designed a logo. And you know, sometimes you just have those God moments. We'd been speaking to Andrew and Lorraine and then all of a sudden, we just got this picture of a hand and we talked about how we always wanted to give people a hand up, not a hand out. We just didn't want a hand out food. We wanted to give people a hand up from their situation. Um, so we came up with our logo, which you will see in a minute. Again, within a few weeks of changing our logo to this, which I do believe was obedience from the church. We got branded t-shirts, we got bottles, we got cups. The doors began swinging open again. We were offered an opportunity to have a food pantry by Falkirk Council. We were offered to be a pilot pantry and they would even give us a thousand pounds to run it. And we could not believe it. Let me tell you guys, a thousand pounds. We had, for the past eight years, we had been running solely on Falkirk Vineyards donations. We had been running a food bank solely on your guys' donations. And someone was going to give us a thousand pounds to do the same thing. We were like, this is unbelievable. We know that God is moving in this ministry. So with that thousand pounds, we were able to hire out a cabin in Camelon Junior Football Grounds. We bought some Ikea shelving, because that's what you do when you get someone new, you go to Ikea. And we went to Ikea, and we got some shelving, and we bought some food. I cannot tell you guys how buzzing we were. We were so excited. So the pantry set up in 2014. Here are some photos of our pantry, our first one. Just to show you where we were starting from, we had water bottles, we had coffee cups, and we obviously had loads of money with our thousand pounds. So we had some very you know, nice models in the form of Blair and I sporting the t-shirts on, uh, on social media. That was uh, our models that we had. And at this point, we did not know really what we were doing. Let's just throw it out there. We knew that the pantry model, we were the pilot, we were the first ones starting off, they'd given us the money, and the idea is, is that people could come, they could give us a nominal fee, two pounds, and with that, it started that you could take 10 items from the pantry. So you could come in, you could get nappies, pasta, a sauce, and the idea is you could try and get some of the higher priced items from uh, the pantry. Now we had big ideas of what this would look like. We had a venue for the first time. We had food, we had a thousand pounds spent and uh, we had our desk and we set up and we knew there was a lot of poverty because our phone was always ringing when it was in our garage. But we were a little confused and I would go as far to say a little underwhelmed 
when each Wednesday we were only seeing about one to four families typically each week. We were so blessed to get to know them and to serve them, but we'd always felt like God was saying there's more and now it seemed like there was less and we didn't really know what was happening. But of course, God knew. And I hope you can see where this is going. This was September 2019. And we were thinking, this pantry's being underused. And you can see where this is going. So that Christmas, we delivered our Christmas hampers that we do. We provide Christmas presents for 50 families in the need through social work. Uh, here are some of the hampers that we did. So there was 50 this year. And this is some of you guys here building up. Uh, and that was one of the best years that we've had building up the hampers and it was a full Christmas dinner for guys and all the Christmas presents for the families because the families would not have received Christmas gifts for their children otherwise. Now, I want to show you the next social media post from Love Falkirk. It was from the 13th of September, 2019 and you can tell I'm buzzing in it when I've posted it. Thank you, 81 meals given out this week. Guys, for us, that was huge. I couldn't believe it. Everything was like meals. It's like that's how many meals we'd given out, and we were quite excited by that. But we all know what happened in March 2020. We could never have expected it, but it happened. The pandemic, and with it, we saw redundancies, isolations, people finding themselves with no work, no school to go to, no free school meals. Uh, suddenly, everyone pulled together. We had Falkirk Council, Fair Share, Greg's, Cafe Nero, Tesco's, to make sure that we had enough food. And here is the slide from April 2020. We gave out 2,362 meals in one week. So we've gone from 81 meals on the 13th of September to six months later, we've given out 2,362 in one week. Now, when we were thinking we were underwhelmed by the amount of people that were coming to the pantry, it just shows you don't challenge God, doesn't it? So uh, we kind of stepped in, we filled the gap, we built relationships, we started meeting people in need. It was a really great time. Andrew and Blair pretty much ran full-time jobs at this point, and they were getting to pray with guys in the queue. The queue was around the block. They're able to just get in touch. Some of the guys have been here to church. It was a really great time. And then here are some pictures of that time. If you can see, so here's Blair with some toilet roll in the car, you know, because toilet roll was a big thing, right? Uh, we had uh, the guys up here. This is actually some of Blair's friends from karate stepped in and just said, listen, we're willing to help. So all of a sudden, people are coming together. People's lives are being changed by this. And, you know, a bit of publicity never goes wrong either. People were recognizing that something big was happening and God was doing it. The next slide we gave out 20,000 meals from March until May. And then the Christmas of 2020 came. Everything was still kind of taking over. Our pantry users was much more than what it started out to be. Uh, but of course, we couldn't do Christmas presents. By this Christmas, we were not able to do it. So we said to the social work, we still want to be able to reach out and bless these guys. So what can we do? And we came up with the vouchers. So instead of buying a present for a five-year-old girl, which is how it previously worked, we bought vouchers. And this is actually such a blessing because uh, it meant that the families could go and buy their own kids the toys. And it was just something we'd never even thought about. I don't, I, do you know, it's one of those things that happens and you're like, how did we not process that before? But of course, now families had a voucher for Smith's or wherever it was, and they were able to go out and say, 
my child really needs a scooter. I'm going to get in that rather than us buying a scooter and then saying, well, actually, we already have a scooter. And it just, it was such a blessing, one of those blessings that came from uh, COVID. Now, during this time, Blair and uh, Andrew were pretty much working full time. It was really hard. Thank goodness Blair was off school. Andrew was full time here. But as we started coming out of COVID, we couldn't keep this up. Blair was going back to work. Andrew had other things to do. Church was starting back up. And we were so blessed. And it's such a long story. I don't have time to get into it. But Ruth Allen got uh, employed through Falkirk Council Food Consortium. And it was a long, windy road. It was bumpy at times. But uh, since then, Keith and Ruth have been heading up the pantry. And after lockdown, there was just no way that we could do this. So Ruth has been keeping up with the demands of this. Now, when I tell you this is a snapshot of Love Falkirk, I genuinely mean that. Um, So this morning, I am going to invite Ruth up because I've told you where we've come from, what's happened, but I can't tell you what's happening now. I'm working, Blair's working. This amazing lady, though, is running Love Falkirk. So she is going to tell us a little bit about what's happening now because where I've left off is that we had a pantry at Camelin Junior's. Ruth, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about, are we still at Camelin Juniors? And if not, where are we? Okay, so we were at Camelin Juniors throughout lockdown, except for it was a bit small. And the one thing we'd really got to is we were relationship-based now. We had 35 people, 100 people, families walking through the door each week. And we wanted to build a relationship. We couldn't do that in the small little location we were. So we hunted and we found locations and they didn't pan out and we hunted and we found more locations and they didn't pan out until I was going to collect one food, food one Wednesday from a group who were going to donate us some food to the pantry. And I explained the problem that we were outgrowing our space and they said, we have loads of space. Come and put a cab in here. So we're at the Occultry Social Club now. Except for it's not that straightforward because you had a thousand pound last time. And the dream God gave me this time cost us a little bit more. So God has given us, I think, around 38,000 over the past 12 months to provide food each week, to provide a pantry. We've got decking outside, we've got picnic benches, and we're developing a garden. So God has provided. He keeps bringing his funders to our doors who come to us and go, do you want to apply for some money? At some point, I, have to, I actually sometimes say to her, stop applying for that. That's not what we're going to do. But funding doesn't work that way. No, this is my job. Funding does not work that funders come to you and go, would you like some money? So here is a picture of the cabin that Ruth found, right? <laughs> if you want to explain it, Ruth. Okay. So this is our new cabin being delivered. Um, wonderful team of people who came along and actually did the groundwork for free for us. Player's dad. Blair's dad, came (laughs) along, refused to give me the bill. (laughs) So this is our cabin being delivered just before Christmas. Um, We got funding from the lottery to put the cabin in the ground, but said it was God's blessing, and I'm stepping away from Lindsay. I'm blocking your screen. No, 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 it was because of the speaker. Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, guys, if you look inside at the next slide, James, do we have... There we go. So here's our beautiful, lovely new pantry and Ruth why don't you explain what this space is because we had a dream about this space and what we wanted in the old cabin we had an office which rapidly became our storeroom here we really wanted a place we could sit down and chat to people 
So we built a lounge, in effect, where you can sit down and you can have a chat. And I can tell you, we've used it to talk to people who are suffering from alcohol problems, who've just had a bad week, and it makes such a difference they come and collect their food from us and they come and get more. So this space has been fantastic, and from here we now have a group coming in and doing a support, um, community support each week and talking about security and safety in the area. It has, guys, and I tell you, this is a snapshot, and I'm sure that if you grab Ruth at some point, she'll tell you about how God's hand has just been in this the whole way. Um, and as she said, we've gone from being excited about £1,000 to Ruth somehow finding £38,000. Uh, now, the question is, what does Love Falkirk do on a weekly basis? Because it's sometimes good to kind of see this, but what does this look like, and what do we, as a church, what do we actually do on a weekly basis? Okay. Weekly basis, actually, sometimes it's very mundane, because... Serving God isn't always exciting. <laughs> so on a Monday, my team come in and they take deliveries from Fair Share and from Tesco's and they put the shelves in order. On a Tuesday, they go out to the likes of Greg's and Cop who donate us all their stock from the end of the day, which means we used to give out 10 items. We now can give out bags of fruit and veg to accompany that, cakes and donuts, which are an everyday treat for some of us, but to be able to give a family... Have a box of donuts. What, a wee Greg's donut? Yeah. yeah. And then on a Wednesday, we open up. And we have so between 25 and 30 families coming each week to collect their shopping. And they come and they have a little chat with you. And it's actually a really nice thing to be serving there. You get to know everybody. Yeah. And actually, I think that what we've been talking about recently is how those relationships are building now. How... We are getting to know everyone, how the people come, and actually sometimes they just come for the chat. Ruth's chat's so great, they just come <laughs> for that. Um, and what other projects are happening? Because you know that you've mentioned some other things, yeah. so it's not just the pantry anymore. Love Falkirk is... So, God's gradually expanding Love Falkirk. We have the Compassion Ministry, which is the serving and the providing the food. But we always wanted to go beyond, as Lindsay said, what comes after the soup? Standard saying, if you don't know this already, you need to speak to me for five minutes and I'll say, what comes after the tin of soup? What comes after it? So, what we now have is, we have the compassion where we give them the food. We have the relationship where we're going to build the garden with them and come alongside them and chat and help them. And we really want to delve into that relationship because that's where God's really going to work. But we're also having a support side because since moving into the new camp, cabin, not only has God provided money, God's provided groups have come to us and said, can we work with you to develop job skills? Can we work with you because we're a recovery group? Can we work with you because we just want to offer some free counselling? So we're going to be working on this relationship, compassion and support. Yeah, and I mean, it is amazing because it's the same thing that God's doing over and over again. When we step into what he's asking us to do, people are coming to us. We're never really having to chase anything down. It's coming to us. And Ruth, what's happening now? What is the new thing that's happening at Love Falkirk that, or new challenge that's coming up? Um, our biggest challenge at the moment is the garden. <laughs> Sitting there, lots of bags of soil and lots of gravel. Um, but we're also having the challenge because you can't turn on the news without hearing about the fuel crisis, the cost of living going up. People just can't survive. We're having a number of people who are coming to me now who are in work you know I have an Asda delivery driver who delivers food on a Monday and comes and collects his food parcel for me on a Wednesday so we are going to see our numbers increase 
we are seeing two to three new people coming through that, and we're now starting to see refugees who are coming over here as well who are needing support. Yep. So our numbers are increasing. However, unfortunately, the government are no longer helping with food funding. They, they have decided the crisis is over, COVID isn't an issue, and there is no money coming out to support this. So our food has been funded for two years through the council, through the government. I can get funding for big items. You know, if I want to go buy a wheelbarrow, somebody will give me money for that. If I want to put food on the shelves, that's becoming harder. So if we're thinking about that and we're thinking, can you just tell us the numbers? You told me the numbers this week. You had enough funding for... To take us through till March next year. March next year with how many people using the pantry? 35 families a week. Okay, so we're 35 families a week. We've got enough funding to do that for a year. However, as Ruth already said, our numbers are increasing. So very soon, those numbers will get past 35. When those numbers get past 35, we will still provide for them. We will still give them the food they need. But that year starts suddenly coming down to 11 months and then 10 months, etc. So Ruth, last question. How can we help if any way can we help okay. you? We now have a table at the back. So every week you will see a shopping list coming up on the website mm -hmm. and social media. Yep. Those five items, they're only five items. They will make a huge difference to our stock levels. Um, but beyond that, praying, we take cash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the treasurer, I have to be able to say that. <laughs> um, but also practical support. My volunteers have been re working really flat out for the past two years. If you have a day, you can come and volunteer over the summer holiday so they can get a summer break. That would be brilliant. So if, if you were here pre-COVID, you would know that we always had a Love Falkirk table at the back. It's out in the coffee lounge just now. And we used to post uh, five items on social media. That is now started. I know it's in the past few weeks that started again. So if you follow Love Falkirk on Facebook or Instagram, um, you will see that there's five items. If you could bring those to the back, that will make a huge difference. Prayer and serving. So guys, this is these things that we're talking about. Do we see the need and can we act on it? So if that's you this morning, come and speak to Ruth after. She, she is the lady to talk to. People quite often see us as a face. I'm like, oh, I have no, I, logistically, I have no idea. <laughs> like, so really, go and see Ruth and she will be able to, even if it's just a day, right, Ruth? Even yeah. if it's just a day in the summer, it would be so appreciated. So can we give Ruth a round of applause? Can I tell you, she's brilliant. <laughs> Guys, and I tell you, we couldn't have done it without Ruth. That's not a self-depreciating, you know, exaggeration. That, that is it. If we didn't have Ruth, this would not happen. And she runs it so well. She builds relationships so well. And she manages to do funding really well. So we really couldn't do it without her. So please, she's a fountain of knowledge. And she's a fountain of passion as well. So if you want to know more about it, grab her. She'll happily talk to you for longer than what she had this morning.